Well, good morning, y'all. Uh, my name is Gabriel Abarca. I'm so blessed to be here. If you weren't here this morning in class, I'll tell a little bit about myself. I won't go on about it this time, I promise. Um, I'm 22 years old. Um, I am from Quito, Ecuador. I was born on the mission field, and I grew up in a little town called Pittsburgh, Kansas. They're very different places, um, I know, but I promise that I'll make sense of how I got there. So I was born on the mission field. My mom went through the, the AIM program, which I've talked to a couple of y'all about. Y'all are pretty familiar with that program. My mom went back in the 90s, 97. She went to Quito, Ecuador for her field. She loved it so much. I think partly that, ha that has partly to do with the man she met, um, who was my father. And then after she finished up her time on the field, she went back. She moved back. They got married. Uh, they both attended the Sunset Preaching School over in Ecuador. And they had me eventually. And so that's how I kind of came to be. And then eventually, after a couple years after that, we moved to the States, to Kansas, to pursue, pursue ministry and missions. Uh, my mom kind of grew up in the Kansas, Missouri, Oklahoma area, in, uh, in Pineville, Missouri, Pittsburgh, Kansas, kind of that area. And so that's where kinda, I've kind of been ever since. I grew up there. I also went through the AIM program after high school in 2019-2020. I served in João Pessoa, Brazil um, for about seven months, and then I served the rest of that in uh, Sulphur, Louisiana, which is uh, by the Lake Charles area, if y'all are familiar with that area. And then after that, I attended, I'm currently now attending the Sunset International Bible Institute as a first-year student um, to, God willing, pursue ministry and missions in the future, wherever that may be. I'm not entirely sure yet. I have an idea of what I'd like to do, but that doesn't mean uh, it'll happen. God may have other plans. But I am super excited and super blessed I gave this opportunity to preach to y'all. If y'all have your, your critiques, uh, please save it for after. I'm willing to take them. Um, I'm definitely learning how to to preach a bit more. Um, my father was a preacher, and I grew up as a preacher, preacher's kid, and I, I always used to say I, didn't, I never wanted to be a preacher. I never wanted to do ministry. I never wanted to do AIM. I never wanted to do Sunset. Uh, but God has a, is, a, uh, is a funny man, and uh, uh, he definitely had a different plan for me, and I'm incredibly grateful for that. Uh, but like I said, so since I, gratefully, since my parents uh, were Christians, um, they, weren't, uh, they didn't grow up Christian, but they became Christians later in life, but they, they provided me and my sisters um, with a Christian home that I grew up in. And kind of like I mentioned in class this morning, um, I didn't really come into my own faith until I was about 13 after my first year at camp, a uh, little camp out in Rogers, Arkansas called Green Valley. And after my first week, I came home asking a lot of questions, having, having that fire for Christ, um, as a lot of us do after retreats and after camps. And I started asking my dad a lot of questions about like, oh, what does it mean to obey the gospel? What is baptism really like? Why is all this important? I want to know. And he was super happy uh, about that. And he said, let's study about that. Let's talk about that. And then about a week later, I was baptized into Christ at the age of 13. And ever since then, I, that's when my faith journey has really started. And it has been one of the most difficult things in my life, but also one of the biggest blessings in my life. I, I would not take any of it back. Um, but because of that, there's, always, there's been a lot of lessons God has taught me through that experience. I'm sure as a lot of us can relate to that. And something I feel like God has been really trying to remind me of uh, since the last four years of my life is what it means to focus on him and what taking your focus away from God looks like and what that does. And that's always been something for some reason I've kind of struggled with. And I'm sure a lot of us can relate to that because we live today in a society where it's all about me. It's all about what I want, what I want to do, what I feel, what I want to wear, and etc. Um, and um, that's kind of unfortunate uh, that we live in such a selfish society. I can't speak for the rest of the world, but I, we can definitely see that today in the United States. It's about what I want, about what I feel. It doesn't matter what you say. It's, if, it's, if I believe it's right, then it's right. And we get so consumed by that. I know I have. 
on several different occasions because of my own mistakes and own decisions, I, I selfishly would make those decisions or say something I didn't need to say just because uh, in the moment it felt right. And that has been something that has been very difficult for me. And that's, why I, that's what I kind of want to focus on today a little bit about, about our passage. If you want to, um, our passage today will be in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Um, so if you could turn your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, I would please, I would recommend turning there. If you have your phone, that works just as well. Uh, the internet is a great thing for, for the Bible in that sense. But yeah, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Be, we have two passages today, but that's the one we'll primarily focus on. Um, and for some context, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, uh, for those of you who don't know, is the Sermon on the Mount. Is when Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's essentially, he's preaching to them. He's giving them a sermon about many different things that, uh, to do in their lives, how to better themselves, so many different things. We could spend a lot of time here in this, these few chapters about the Sermon on the Mount. There's a lot of great things. Something I love about the Sermon on the Mount, this is something I learned about in AIM um, through one of my professors who was coincidentally also the director of AIM. He taught this class. He said, what's so beautiful about the Sermon on the Mount is how it all flows together fairly well. Um, Jesus talks about a lot of different things, but they all seem to stack up on each other and uh, all conclude in this really great way at the end of Matthew chapter 7, which we'll talk about later today. But I would have to say this, if I had to have a favorite part of the Sermon on the Mount, it would be this part right here in Matthew chapter 6 because it's very applicable to my life and I'm sure it's applicable to y'all. And uh, I really hope that y'all are blessed by it as much as it blessed me. So let's go ahead and read Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. It says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your, for wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. For your eye is like a lamp that provides a light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. For you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So there's a lot to unpack here, um, but I want to make sure to run through this quickly. I don't want to spend, y'all's, uh, spend too much of y'all's time here. We got lunch in 30 minutes. I'm aware of that too, so I'm excited. Uh, but let's start unpacking this. So this first part, Matt, verses 19 through 21. Don't store up your treasures here on earth. So before I dive into this, I kind of want to ask y'all a question. And you don't have to respond back, but I just want to get y'all thinking. When we hear the word treasures, what do we think of primarily? I know for a lot of us, when we were kids, when we would play pirates or something, we would think, oh, treasure, buried tre treasure, whether that's gold, gems, all these things. But the idea of treasure can be a lot more than just valuable items, I think, as we've grown. When I looked up the word tre uh, treasures in, uh, online, the dictionary, the dictionary definition, uh, one of the definitions says, is something of value or is, is a, uh, something, a valuable item or something of value to you? And that's, very, that's a broader statement, I think, than just like, oh, a diamond ring or like this gold block. It's something that is precious to us and that we value a lot. And that can be people, it can be family, it can be friends, it can be relationships. It can be items, it can be a car, it can be a picture someone gave to you, it can be, or it can be an idea of something. It can be your job, it can be your passion, it could be sports, it could be anything. And there's nothing wrong with that. We all have our treasures, we all have our passions, and that's great. God gave us those for a reason. But... What is, he, what is he trying to say here? It's like, don't store your, thing, your treasures up on the things that, will, that moths will eat and rust will destroy. 
And the, kind of the idea here is he kind, of, he kind of hones in on it kind of at the end of this first part of the text here in verse 21. He says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. And what a true statement that is. I don't think we, we really realize that, how we, when we value something, we really value it. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong to value a person, nothing wrong to value your wife or your husband, your brother, your sister, or your job. But I think what Jesus is trying to say here is that when it becomes priority over me, when, it becomes, when you become so consumed by it that it becomes what you think about every day when you wake up, when you go to bed, that's when it becomes a problem. Because, like he said, where your treasures are, that's where your heart is. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm very passionate about a lot of things. I'm passionate about soccer. I grew up um, in an Ecuadorian household, so soccer was very important. This last World Cup was a, if you came over during the World Cup, we were screaming a lot. Um, and so we're very passionate about it. And something important, my dad growing up uh, played soccer a lot, and he was even to the point before he went through the Sunset School, he was actually going to play, play professionally for the younger, for one of the leagues there. So to him, soccer is very important. But growing up, he made sure to make an emphasis. He's like, don't make it your whole world. Don't put your heart in it. He's like, because it won't last forever. There's other important things. And as a kid, I didn't understand that because I was like, nah, I just want to play soccer. It doesn't matter. Whatever. I want to kick the ball. But after growing up a little bit and understanding, after putting my heart into things of this world that won't last, I've been burned a couple times. And I'm sure a lot of us have been burned by people, by things, by our jobs that eventually will just go away and will fail us. Again, as much as it's great to value people, people will fail you. But Jesus won't. And that's why he says here, he's like, store your treasures up on things in heaven. Because one, it's eternal. It'll never go away. And two, it's like, I will never fail you. We see that all throughout the Bible. And the first part of, I'm studying Genesis right now at sunset. And something that's really interesting to me that I never once thought about is in the first part of Genesis, kind of throughout the whole book of Genesis, the whole idea is that man has failed and can we even be redeemed? And the idea is that God is here, even though we have failed, he's constantly there to clean up our mess, and to take care of us. We see that with Adam and Eve when he kicks them out of the garden. We kind of see that as a bad thing, but in actuality, that was a blessing in of itself because God wanted to take them away from that place that was eternal because he didn't want us to live in sin forever. He's taking care of us. He took care of Sarah and Abraham when they were in Egypt, even though Abraham lied about Sarah being like, oh, this is my sister. Um, and so, like, but God still took care of Sarah in that sense. So God is constantly cleaning up our messes. He never fails us. So that's why he's like, put your treasures on me. Um, it's kind of like what the, the songs we sang today just recently, like, my hope is built on nothing less. Or uh, that first song we sang, um, I can't remember what it was, but there was a line in it where it talked about storing your treasures up in the things above because it will last forever. God will never fail us. It's so important to remember that, guys. And again, this is why I love not only the Sermon on the Mount, but this whole passage is that first part, we've established that putting your treasures on the things of the earth aren't good. They won't last you forever. They'll fail you. But putting your treasure on things eternal will be good for you. They'll last forever. We, God will never fail you. And so then we flow into this next part. And I remember reading this as a, um, in AIM and not really understanding how it was coherent because we went from talking about treasures, talking about things we value, to talking about our eyes being a lamp. I, don't, I was like, what does that have to do with anything? And like, I'll read it one more time in verse 22. It says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. For when your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. So what does that mean? When I read that, I was like, how can my eye be like a lamp? And the idea of this verse here is essentially saying is that it's like what, what you're consuming. What are you watching? What are you seeing? Um, what are you spending your time with? Um, because whatever you're spending your time with is kind of what you reflect. There's a, there's a phrase I think we say in English 
where it says what the eye is the, the window to the soul. I think that's the correct one. And I think there's not a truer statement than that. Again, Jesus, Jesus has already established, he's like, hey, store wherever your treasures are at, that's where your heart will be also. And so put yourself in the, uh, in the position of, say your heart is, uh, your treasure is on something of the world, is in this worldly place. And so that means that you probably spend a lot of time with the world, whether that's watching something you probably shouldn't be watching, um, making jokes you shouldn't be saying, saying things that are you know, prof- uh, inappropriate or that are kind of, uh, what's the word I want to use? Um, yeah, not appropriate, that's a good word I want to use. Or and doing whatever. And so if, if, you're, if you're consuming all of that kind of stuff, you're consuming worldly things, that's going to reflect in your attitude. This was a big problem for me in high school because, unfortunately, even though I was a Christian, I wasn't living out that life. I was surrounding myself with people that were cursing, that were, were saying inappropriate jokes that, would, um, that weren't mature. And so, I mean, there's, there's not a, the, the perfect high schooler. I'm not trying to say that. But that reflected in my attitude. I'd go home, and my mom would be like, why are you being rude to me? My father would be like, why, why are you saying these jokes at the dinner table? That, that's not appropriate. And then I remember if I first realized how big of a problem this was whenever um, my sisters, uh, they're younger than me, they're about two years younger than me, they found out, they heard me say a curse word, um, just like on, on, on instinct to something. I don't remember what, I reacted to something and I, I cursed. And they looked at me and they were like, I remember seeing that shock in their face. They're being like, how can my big brother say that? And that was the first time I kind of realized, I'm like, why am I saying these things? Why am I doing it's, why, why am I being this way? I'm like, it's because of the people I was surrounding myself with. Surrounding myself with. It's what I was taking in. It's what I was taking in. It's what I was looking at that caused me to do that. So that's why he says, if your eye is healthy, your body will be filled with light. He's like, so if your eye is, consu- uh, is if you're consuming things like the Bible, if you're studying your Bible, you're surrounding yourself with people that are Christians, with the church, you're... You're praying. You're building that relationship with God. You're doing X and Y. I'm sure you can fill in the blank with so many things. Then that your attitude will reflect that, and that is so important. Our example is so important in this world, where this world is full of darkness. And so, if we can bring a little light into that darkness, people start to notice. I'm sure some of us have had experiences where people come up to you, being like, "Why do you act like this? Why do you act so joyful during this time of difficulty? Why, why don't you go out and drink with us? Why don't you do X and Y?" And a lot of the times, and they question that because it's, it's not normal for them. It's, it's something they don't understand. And uh, hopefully that, that can be a great opportunity for us to be like, well, let me tell you why I act like this. It's because of this man named Jesus. So are you guys kind of seeing how it's flowing together, how all of this is flowing together? Jesus saying, store your treasures up um, on things eternal. Store things up. P- put your heart on me because I am light. If you consume light, you will be healthy. If you store your treasures up in the things of the world that won't last and that will fail you, You'll be full of darkness. And a lot of times, we don't even realize we're in darkness. I can't tell you how many times I'd be like, oh, you should watch this movie. It's a great movie. They only say a couple bad words. Or let's watch this movie. They only, it only has one bad scene in it. One bad scene. It's fine. I'm like, oh, you should watch this comedian. Um, he says a lot of bad jokes, but he has this one really good joke. I think when we start making excuses about the bad things is whenever, is whenever we're kind of in that position where it talks about um, here in verse 20, it says, or excuse me, verse 22, where it says, but when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. We really got to constantly self-check ourselves, guys. Constantly reflect on, like, what am I looking at? Who am I spending my time with? What am I saying? What are the things I'm, look, uh, I'm watching? Because it reflects in our attitude, guys. Attitudes. Our heart, what is it? Like I said earlier, our eyes are the windows to the soul. 
And our soul is so important. God values our souls. That's why he came to die on the cross for us. And then as we finish out the passage here, this part of the passage, it says, For no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, and you will be devoted to one and despise the other. For you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And he just kind of sums up the whole thing I'm trying to say here perfectly. He says, because you can't serve two things. You can't serve God and the world. Because you will hate one, you will come to, you will come to love one, and you will come to hate the other. I heard this phrase growing up a lot. It's like you can't have one foot in the world, and you can't have one foot with God. Because it doesn't make sense. In Revelations chapter 3, verses 15 through 16, God kind of talks about this idea. He uses a different analogy, but he's essentially talking about, um, if, he's like, I want you to be hot for me. I want you to be on fire for me. He's like, and, or I want you to either be cold for me. He's like, I want you to be either or, but I don't want you to be lukewarm. He's like, because I spit at lukewarm. Some versions say I vomit out that lukewarmness. Because I don't think any of us like lukewarm coffee or lukewarm anything. It's not great. We would rather want something to be hot or cold. And that's what Jesus is essentially saying here. He's saying, I'd rather you be on fire for me or not. There's no in-between. There's no in-between. I vomit at that. It's also important to realize that God, is a, God wants us. He, he created us. He created us in his image. He knew us before we were even formed in the womb. So he knows us pretty well. And he cares for us, so much so that he sent his son to die on the cross. So you would think he'd want to spend a lot of time with us. Exodus chapter, oh, was it? Oh, let me see. Exodus chapter 34, I'm pretty sure, talks about this. 34, 14 through, yeah, 34, 14 says, God, God is being a jealous God. He wants to spend our, and it's not because he's jealous of what we're worshiping. No, God is eternal. He's the greatest being on earth in, in existence. He can, he's not jealous of the things we're worshiping. He's jealous because of the time we're, he wants to, he wants to spend time with us. Are you guys try, kind of seeing what I'm talking about? It's, and in this passage, it talks about, it's like, don't be enslaved to money. And that's one thing that I think in, even today we struggle with, you know, with greed. That's something we can be consumed with. But replace that greed with something else. Replace it with something personable. Replace it with something that you have been consumed by. And it's the same idea. You cannot serve God and you cannot serve the world because you will hate one and you will be devoted to the other one. So all of this to say, why is this important? Why is all of this important to us? Why is it important to to check where we're storing our treasures on, uh, treasures up. Why is it important to watch what we're doing, who we're around, what we're looking at? Why is it so important to be, uh, why can't I be in the world but also be with God? Why, why is this all important? And I encourage you to skip to the end of this, end of the Sermon on the Mount, to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 28. We sang this song earlier. I thought it was kind of funny that Todd chose to sing this song. Um, it's a song we all kind of grew up in, in VB, grew up in, knowing in VBS. And it's a song. We, it's a fun song, but it's kind of a deep song when we think about it. Um, uh, even as kids, we don't really think about how important it is. But I love that we're teaching our kids that song from an early age because it really is important. We hear it a lot, but sometimes it doesn't register. So, verse twenty, verse twenty-four through twenty-eight. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teachings and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. For when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teachings, for he taught with real authority quite unlike the teachers of religious law. Now, before we focus on like, the real meat of this, this passage, I, I really love how, this, how the Sermon on the Mount ends. It says, 
When Jesus was finished, the people were amazed. This is something my, my professor in AIM really wanted to emphasize to me. He said, if, you, if you're reading the Sermon on the Mount and you didn't walk away from it feeling amazed, he's like, you didn't read it right. You didn't read it right. And because there's so much to unpack there. There's so much self-reflecting, so much, so much wisdom in these words. And he even says that. He's like, if you take into action what I'm teaching you, if you obey what I am teaching you, you will be like this wise man who built his house on the rock. And so what does that mean? Essentially, it's talking about what is our foundation in life? What is our foundation? He's not talking about a literal house. Um, I, I'm glad he's not because I don't know how to build one. But he's talking about our life. He's like, what is our foundation on? Is it on something strong? Because uh, if it is, you will be okay. No matter what comes in your life, no matter what storms, no matter what trials, no matter how hard it gets, you won't crumble. You will stay firm in this. He's like, but if you focus on the, if you don't obey what I'm telling you, and you just hear what I'm saying, you don't do anything, you'll be like this foolish man who built his house on the sand. And I don't know if, I'm sure most of us have been to the beach. If not, I'm sure some of us have seen sand. Sand is, a, is not a sturdy material. It is very flimsy. I lived on the beach for a long time, and uh, I would constantly fall and slip into the sand. It, it did not hold me very well. Um, and that's kind of the idea here, is like, if your foundation is on something that's weak, that won't last, when those storms come, you're going to crumble. You're going to fall apart. And so that's why I wanted, the, I wanted to kind of end our passage on this today. Like we, we said earlier, it's, this is why it's so important to check ourselves, to see where our heart's at, to see what our priorities are at. Because if our priorities are in the things of above, are, are in Christ, are on God, we're going to have a sturdy foundation that won't be taken down. But we have thing, if our foundation is on things that, like, uh, like our jobs, on how much money we have, on our fleshly desires, and you can fill in the blank with that, it's not going to last. When something hard comes, you're going to crumble. You're going to fall. And I'm sure a lot of us have crumbled and fallen before. I definitely have. And that's why it's so important to focus on God. That's why he said, focus on me. Do not take your eyes off me. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is Matthew chapter 16, 24. And for context, Jesus has just kind of foretold his first death. And Peter was like upset with him. And that's when Jesus says, hey, get behind me, Satan. Um, but directly following that, Jesus says, For if any of you wish to follow me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. And what essentially that verse is saying is like, deny your control. Deny what you think is right. Deny what you think is best for you and give it to me. Pick up that cross and follow me. Because when Christ has control, he's going to guide you in the right way. That doesn't mean it'll, it will be easy. Being a Christian is the hardest thing in the world. It is so difficult. We, we, uh, we face persecution. We face judgment every day just for the things we believe in, the things we do. But even during those difficulties, Christ works. Jesus is working. He's building us. He's, he's making us stronger. And that's why it's so important, like I said, to focus on him. So how does this apply to us today? And like, how, how can we, we hear this, but I, I always ask myself when I read, the, read this, I'm like, how does this apply? What can I do to change this? And I think applicably, what we need to do is sometimes we need to take a step back in our lives and really look at what we're doing. What are we prioritizing? Are we making time for the one who made time? That's something one of my other professors in AIM would say a lot. He's like, are you making time for the one who gave you time? Are you spending time with God? Are you cultivating your relationship with him? There's plenty of ways to do that. You can cultivate your relationship in prayer, reading your Bible, even if it's 10 minutes in a day. Like, that's a good habit to start. Are you spending your time with people of the world? Or are you spending time with your brothers and sisters in Christ? 
Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you're going to spend... That doesn't mean don't avoid the people of the world. We're here to minister to them. God gave us a mission in Matthew chapter eight or 28 to minister to the people here. But don't let them change you. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2 talks about that. Paul says, do not be conformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, presenting yourselves as a living, living sacrifice. What he's saying is like, don't conform. Don't, don't be so consumed by the people of the world that you, look, you start to look like them. But be transformed. Look different from them. So like I said, take a step back. Look, look at who you're spending time. What are you watching? What movies are you watching? That one's always hard for me because I love different movies. And there's a lot, like, even Marvel movies. Like, as much as I love superheroes, there's a lot of things in there that I don't necessarily need to be watching. There's a lot of messages that aren't good. And that's hard for me. What kind of music are we listening to? Are we being consumed by, uh, by sports, by our job, by our friends? I think we really need to sit down and think about this because that's how, like, that's how important it is because we don't realize how much the world can influence us. Do not be conformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and build your foundation on something strong, something that will hold you, that will last because if you have God as your foundation, you're never going to fall, never going to fall. That doesn't mean it won't be hard. It'll be difficult, but you won't fall. You won't falter. It's so important. So important. So my question to you guys, as I kind of close out, and I hope I didn't, wait, uh, I didn't go too much over the time, is again, my challenge to you guys and the challenge to myself is, where is your focus right now? Are you focusing on God? Or are you focused on the things that you want, that you think is best? Are you focusing on what the world wants? Do you have one foot in the world? Do you have one foot and one foot with God? Or do you even have both feet in the world? Because even if you do, I, I highly recommend putting your, foot, putting your feet with God. Because if you do, he's going to change your life and bless it. Like the song we sang today, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And it's because of his sacrifice that we even have this opportunity to do this. And I highly recommend, if you have any questions about it, or have any, if you realize, you're like, I really need to check myself and I want to change. There are plenty of people here that will help you. If you need to talk to someone that you trust, talk to them. Talk to them. We're here to help you. We're here to show you that there's a better way. There is a better way. And again, it won't be easy, but you will be blessed by it. And then at the end of the day, you will, you'll get to be with Christ in heaven. And it's a wonderful thing. If you have any questions about that, please ask. Um, thank you guys so much for this opportunity. Um, if you have any criticisms or complaints, I, I'd love to hear them after. Um, but I thank you guys so much for this opportunity. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day as we stand and as we sing. Oh, to Jesus I surrender all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence day.